Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Friday edition of Outkick. And we want you to know that Duralast battery is proven tough, designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. Well, the Washington Wizards were in the zone and so were the Golden State Warriors, both teams put away their opponents in the first quarter last night, but we finally got some drama. I said the NBA playoffs have been pretty boring so far. The favorites had, for the most part, won, with the exception of the Jazz as the five seed pulling off the win over the four seed L.A. Clippers. And then last night, in the Celtics-Wizards series, the competition to see who's going to get beat by the Cavs, it now appears, based on the way everything else has gone, Things finally got a little bit heated. And if you're like me, old school NBA fan, the fact that we have fights, in quotation marks, like these now is pretty ridiculous. But it was Kelly on Kelly Crime. Let's go to some of the audio and listen to exactly what happened, and then we'll discuss the fallout. But let's start with whatever order you guys think makes the most sense. we got a couple of different cuts to play. And now... Olenek setting a screen, and Oubre then decks him. Oubre goes after Olenek, and now security gets involved, and now we are unfortunately going to have ejections. Oubre got up and went about Why would he do that? 20 feet and just pushed Olenek. So that's going to be the end of Kelly Oubre's night, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Two teams are very competitive. Whatever. You keep getting hit in the head. You might, re- you might respond that way, and I think that's what he did. I'm not saying that that was the right thing to do. Uh, we have to focus on playing basketball. We can't control what, what they're doing. We just have to control within our game plan and stay focused. I haven't talked to him. Definitely we will talk to him. We've got to keep our control. And 
you know, you got to let the referees call those calls. And, and at, that, at that particular time, they did call the right call. If it happens, it happens. I mean, it's the playoffs. But we just we got to control ourselves a little, a, little, a little better. But the refs got to control the game as well. I mean, we can't do it all. But we just got to hit first. They, they hit us first. They have more energy than us. And usually the team that hits first and is more physical, the refs allow them to be more physical throughout the whole game. So we got to make the adjustments. We got to tip our hat off to the Wizards. They played a really good game on both ends of the floor, and they were the aggressor tonight. You have to suspend Kelly Oubre. I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I want to go around the horn and check with the crew here, but my position on this is pretty straightforward. Like, look, I don't think it was incredibly violent. I think K- Kelly Olenek probably this is partly a response to what happens when you name two men Kelly and uh, they, they go face-to-face. This is Kelly on Kelly crime uh, because they're both like, why would you have to give me an androgynous name? And the other guy's like, man, me too. And so they have to stand up and be extra masculine. But this was... I think even if you assume, which you always have to in the NBA, that this was a flop to some extent from Kelly Olenek, the Boston Celtics player, Ubre was way out of line. Like, the screen was not incredibly violent. The screen was not an illegal screen. The screen was not something that was so inappropriate that somebody's physical health was in danger and you needed to send a message. I think Ubre has to be gone for at least one game even if you assume, which I think you have to, that Kelly Olenek took the dive when he got shoved, like that he was trying to draw the contact and get the suspension here. So I think that Oubre has to be gone for game four. Probably not more than game four, but I think you have to suspend him for game four. Let's go around the horn. Jason Martin, agree or disagree on the suspension? Yeah, I mean, you've got to do it. You can't let a guy go out there and shove another player, although I liked it because it's something the NBA could certainly use, and it kind of took us back to things that we've seen 20 years ago. But in terms of Olenek, Olenek clearly flopped. He's too big to be falling the way he fell based on what Oubre did to him. Now, the screen the screen was hard, but there was a little bit extra on that screen where he kind of shoved him backwards, and I think this might have been more than just one play. It was just kind of the way Kelly Olenek plays. Kelly Olenek is an irritant and there are those guys in the NBA and there always have been and sometimes they're great players like a Ron Artest or somebody like that or sometimes they're out there simply to cause things to happen like this like you can ask Danny G and those guys out in LA Sasha Vujicic was able to go out there and hit threes but he was known for being an irritant and getting under people's skin Patrick Beverly in Houston another prime example of that Bruce Bowen for the San Antonio Spurs, and of course you had the Heat and the Knicks back in the 90s and all sorts of players, Rick Mahorn, Bill Lane Beer, all of those guys. Kelly Olenek's not a guy that's going to go out there and get you 30, but he's a guy that can cause people to do things they shouldn't do. Kelly Oubre, you can't do that. You simply can't do it. And then Olenek, of course he took the flop because that's why he was there anyway. He was not. He's not a player that's going to give you much on the floor. So in terms of suspending Oubre, of course you have to suspend Oubre. But Olenek, what he did, I mean, you know, Oubre just had enough as far as I was concerned. I can't go back and point to other instances where it had happened in the series because I wasn't watching that closely, the Kelly versus Kelly stuff that was happening on the floor. But, yeah, you can't have a guy shoving somebody else, although, boy, that was the only thing entertaining about that otherwise pretty awful basketball game. Danny G, child star Justin. Um, By the way, liar, liar on last night. I hope some of you caught – some of Justin Cooper's earlier work. Um, Danny G or Justin, any disagreement? Do you think you have, you agree with us? Do you have to sprint, suspend Ubre? 
Oh, you definitely have to suspend him. Uh, one I, game? Does anybody think more than one game? Now, here's the thing. I I don't think it should be more than one game, but it wouldn't surprise me if it is. But I, I it should be one, though, right, Clay? Because basically Olenek looked like he took a, a, a charge the way he, he slid flopped. on his back. Yeah, he did on his back. Now, did Ubre overreact? Of course he did, but Jason was – right on, spot on when he said that Ubre had already, you know, been bothered by Olenek the entirety of the game up to that point. You could tell Olenek had gotten underneath his skin and that just put him over the top. So this I'm I'm betting this is going to be a one game fine, a one game suspension and like a fifty G fine. Yeah, I mean I think it has to happen and, and honestly, I almost feel like David uh that Adam Silver called the uh the Celtics and the Wizards and he said, man this semifinal round of the NBA playoffs is not getting that much attention. We need a little bit of drama. Somebody do something. I'm glad <laughs> you said. I'm glad you said that, Clay, because I was thinking about it when it happened. I said, "Man, if this was professional wrestling and I was booking this show as I've done many times, and the crowd's not involved, and we've had kind of a you bad dial month it up. and things like that, it's like, man, I've got to cause something that looks real." So I'm going to do something that spills out to the outside, maybe even something that involves a fan that I've planted in the front row, something that's going to get people off their seats and talking in a positive way about the drama in an otherwise non-dramatic situation. So, yeah, when I first saw it, I'm like, man, this is this is perfect. This is the only thing that the NBA needs right now because nobody's paying attention to these games when they're 30-point blowouts or Golden State's destroying, pretty much ending that game in the first quarter against Utah last night. At least you got this. It's Kelly Olenek v. Kelly Oubre in the main event nobody in Washington, knows the, D.C. Nobody knows the two Kellys, but you're right. I mean, the Warriors have like came out last night, thanks to the people who, like me, and a lot of you who are listening right now, have to get up early in the morning. They put them away so early, right? The first quarter, you're like, well, this game's over. And that series is over. I mean, even for Jazz fans, you're like, you have no hope to win that series. Like, maybe you had some small twinge of, of expectation going in after getting the seven-game win. Maybe my guys will play loose. Maybe the Warriors will not play very well in that series. Well, it's over, right? And meanwhile, the two teams that we expect to play, the Cavs and the Warriors, are both 6-0 and so far in the playoffs. And they may lose now that they're going on the road to Toronto and to Utah. But I think everybody out there who's an NBA fan in any way knows that those series are over. So that drama's gone, right? Uh, and then you bring in the other games, and, well, we'll see what happens in Spurs-Rockets, but with Tony Parker injured and the Rockets having a pretty significant advantage as they go back to Houston, we'll see whether or not that's going to be a seven-game series. I, I have my doubts. We'll see. Uh, but meanwhile, obviously, this was a must-win for the Wizards, and they came out and got a 22-0 run in the first quarter, but even that put the game away, and at least this is a little bit of drama because if there wasn't the Kelly versus Kelly confrontation here, I don't even know what you say about the NBA, right? Like, well, let's see whether or not the Wizards can win game four. I feel like there is a competition right now, and I thought maybe the Cavs were slipping. It has not happened, obviously, so far into the postseason. I feel like we're competing in the Eastern and the Western Conference to get executed by the Warriors and the Cavs. It's like a race to the execution chamber. Oh, we're going to be like, I don't believe right now that the Celtics or the Wizards or obviously the the Rockets or the Spurs, either any of those four teams have a chance to beat the Warriors or the Cavs. I think they're rushing toward the execution chamber. 
And it's like, well, who's going to compete to get their ass kicked in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? Now, they have to do it. But as a fan who sits back and watches the NBA, like, why in the world do I believe that something other than an execution is going to happen once they actually get to the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals? And by the way, I'm not sure anybody can be competitive in the grand scheme of things. And I I do think that this is such a significant overreaction that now the officials have to take charge of it. And they have to say, wait a minute, how did we get to this point? Kelly Oubre totally overreacting. And now you're going to have games called, probably I would imagine, especially early in game four, an insanely aggressive officiating crew to make sure that all physical contact is called, that guys know you're not going to be able to do anything remotely approaching what happened last night. And so, as a result, the game gets officiated differently. The Celtics, obviously, is that game on, uh, I guess that game will be on Saturday, or they bump it to Sunday? I haven't even looked yet. Uh, but my assumption is that game will be on Saturday night when we go to game four for the... Uh, Sunday. For the, it's on Sunday, so they gave yeah. them two days off now. So yeah. they have two days to cool uh, their heels and wait and see what's going to happen. The NBA may also be trying to make sure they stretch out some of these games because... Obviously, it looks like the Warriors and the Cavs are going to be cooling their heels with a substantial amount of time before the Eastern and Western Conference Finals really get started. Because if both these series go long, then those guys could have a week off, just uh, just chilling, waiting to uh, to get started in the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals. Is there anybody who disagrees with us? We just went around the horn. All four of us said Kelly Oubre has to be suspended. You have the right to be wrong. You can disagree. 877-996-6369 is our phone number here. If you're curious about what the lineup for the show looks, I've got, it looks like today. Got kind of an interesting setup here. Um, in hour two, there's a study that came out, and we've been talking a lot about this. Does talking politics on television with sports turn off casual sports fans? In particular, it's been discussed more of the Republican-leaning voters. There was a study done that claims that the answer is yes, and we have got the pollster on, and I just think it's a fascinating study. So we're going to talk to him in hour two. In hour three, we're going to talk to my guy, Lance Taylor, and we will also have, as always, I Hate You, Clay Travis, which is the final half hour of the show on Fridays. So... Lots to get be excited about. Again, we're opening up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are talking to, you're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Kobe Bryant has, and Isaiah Thomas has fully embraced it as Olenek gets called for a foul. Now, Oubre goes after him. Oubre goes right out of Olenek, and we have an all-out scrum here at Verizon Center. Kelly Oubre beelined for Kelly Olynyk and gave him a forearm shimmy. That'll be an injection right away. It just seems so much like the WWE. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm just picturing... Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, getting his phone out, like looking over his shoulder, making sure nobody's watching, and then just texting like, code red, code red. NBA playoffs are boring. We got to have something happen. Let's get a fight. Let's get a white guy and a black guy too. Just have him shove a little bit. Then he puts his phone back in his pocket, looks over his shoulder, 
I don't know. I, I gotta I gotta suspend him, I guess. Can't have this kind of physical violence on the court. And this is what the NBA has become, by the way, that a guy running and shoving somebody, people are like, oh my God, did you see what happened? A guy ran and shoved somebody. Meanwhile, the NHL playoffs, they got people with sticks hitting each other in the head. Guys squaring off, throwing haymakers. Everybody's like, man, that's just hockey. Guy in the NBA. It's it's amazing what the two different sports can get away with. Hockey, guys bleeding, falling all over the place. Jerseys getting ripped off their heads. Skates slashing them. Blood everywhere. People are like, that's just hockey. Basketball, guy gets a screen set. He's upset. He runs after him and shoves him. People are like, oh, my God, did you see Kelly Olenek? Did you see Kelly Oubre? It's literally the weakest fight in the history of mankind. People are like, you can't have this. You can't have this. It is crazy what you can get away with. We're looking for the Celtics uh, radio broadcast of this call. Evidently, it was patently absurd. So if you have that link, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Clay Travis, and we'll play that for you as well as the WWE meets the NBA. I got to say, though, and I've said this for a long time, the NBA is the WWE. I mean, my kids now are obsessed with the WWE, my six- and my nine-year-olds, so we watch a lot of it. And when I was a kid growing up, I liked the WWE too. But it's all about the drama. And otherwise, there isn't that much that's, you know, like up in the air about the NBA, right? Like there's a lot of drama surrounding it, but we're probably going to end up with the way that every single person on earth predicted the season would end with the Cavs and the Warriors in the finals. Think about how hard that is to do in every other sport. There's no other sport where before the season even starts, you can be like, yeah, I think it's going to be the Cavs and the Warriors playing. Think about that for the NFL. NFL is the most competitive sport in America. It's really pretty hard right now for you to predict who exactly is going to be in the Super Bowl. Now, we'll do it as the season gets closer, and maybe you just feel confident in the Patriots, and so people just say, okay, the Patriots are going to be in from the AFC, but what team from the NFC is going to be in there? There's six or seven teams that you could make a legitimate argument for in the Super Bowl. And by the way, I don't think that the Patriots are a foregone conclusion either in the AFC, but it's hard to predict what the actual Super Bowl will be. You make a lot of money if you predict the actual Super Bowl matchup correct. You can go on, you can bet any two teams, and if you get them both right, that really pays off well as a as a as a bet, right? As a prop bet. The futures bet before the season starts. Same thing in Major League Baseball. If I told you right now, tell me which two teams are going to be in the World Series, you could guess. You could take the two teams with the best records, but the odds of the two teams with the best records in May meeting in the World Series are actually pretty low. Same thing with the NHL. You couldn't even predict in the NHL when the playoffs actually started which two teams were going to meet in the NBA and the NHL finals. It looks like there's a pretty good chance that the Nashville Predators, who were the number eight overall seed in the NHL, are going to at least make the Western Conference Finals and may make the Stanley Cup Finals. There's no chance at all that an eight seed in the NBA had any remote chance at all. In fact, the eight seed in the NBA didn't even win a game. They lost 8-0. Well, I take that back. The Cavs should be the one seed. If the Cavs, if you believe what I do, which is the Cavs 
are actually the best team in the East, then the team playing against the two best teams would have gone 0-8. Obviously, the Celtics got the one seed and then lost the first two games to the Bulls. But really, I think for most of us out there, including certainly Vegas odds makers, the Cavs are expected to be the better team. Now, I didn't have a lot of faith in the Cavs coming in the playoffs because I actually had the stupidity to consider the regular season meant something and down the stretch of the regular season. And for most of the regular season, the Cavs were pretty crappy. They couldn't defend anybody. LeBron James is out there whining about how they don't have enough depth. All those different things during the regular season. And then what was it? It was WWE stage show. It didn't even matter. None of it had any long-term relevance. It was a total joke. A total joke, much like, by the way, these shoes that, that our boy... LeVar Ball has brought out on behalf of Lonzo Ball. And you knew this was going to be our lead if we didn't have the NBA brawl, but I just got to go to the shoes now. It's all about the shoes. If you haven't seen it, and a part of me has to give credit to Lonzo Ball and in particular to LeVar Ball for his dad being such an unbelievable marketing genius. I mean, these shoes trended number one on social media everywhere. And I'm sure that just about all of you have heard the story, but I'll give you a quick refresher here. LeVar Ball says that he wants to start his own business, his own brand, the big baller brand, with a sort of endorsement deal for all three of his sons. Lonzo, who's going to go pro, Lamello, and what's the other name? Lachello. Is it Lacello and Lamello? I I know it's Alonzo and Lamello. Does anybody else know the other name? Le- for- Leangelo. Leangelo. Not Lacello. Lamello. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to let you go ahead and dig that hole. Anyway, it's Lacello. Uh, they have another kid. It's going to be Lacello. Anyway, the bassoon. The, yeah, the bassoon, the bassoon. The, they're all like uh, they're all going to be uh, under this big baller brand, uh, uh, you know, kind of overall overarching uh, brand. And he said he wanted to do his own brand within Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Reebok, whatever. All those companies said, yeah, we're not going to do a deal with you. So he's decided now to put his own shoes out on the market, and they are priced at $495. And maybe even crazier, the flip-flop version of the big baller brand is, what, $220? And there's also a autographed... Lonzo Ball shoe, which is $995. Head is going to hate. I actually, on some level, am impressed at the idea. And no uh, double entendre here. The balls on LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball to do this. Because there may well be a high-end market for sneakers. What I mean by that is, right now... I saw Fox Sports Radio tweeted it out. Most sneakers have not gone above $200, right? Whether you're Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, there's a price point for most of these sneakers that seems to be now around, what, 150 bucks. And obviously, if you look at fashion, and I'm not a fashion guy, I don't believe, I, th- I, don't, I think this is true, I don't believe I own a single article of clothing that would cost more than $500. Even like my suit, (laughs) you can indict me for this, even my suit, jacket, pants, everything else, 
would not be any individual aspect of my suit, would not be more than $500. I certainly have never bought a $500 pair of shoes. I certainly have never bought a $500 shirt or pants or anything like that. And I imagine, especially for guys, most of you are like me. But a lot of women have spent $500 or more on an article of clothing. And a certain number of men have too. And the reason for that is because you want that cachet. You want to be able to send the message of how much money you actually have. And with that in mind, I think it might be easier for LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball to sell $500 shoes than it would be to sell $120 shoes or $150 shoes. Am I crazy for that? We'll talk about this on the flip side. Uh, But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Obviously, LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball are very confident. At least LeVar Ball is. Whether or not he's actually making smart decisions for his son's overall future, I don't know. But I actually think that it's easier to sell a $500 shoe than it is to sell a $150 shoe if you are them, with the idea being that it's easier to sell 1,000 pairs of shoes that cost $500 than it is to sell 10,000 pairs of shoes that cost 150. And my rationale on this is, I don't know what the high end of the sneaker market is, but there's certainly a segment of the population out there that wants to be able to prove how much of a dollar value they have, right? Like how much money they have. There's a huge aspect of all of American society today where people pay insane amounts for brands to be able to prove that they have the money to wear those brands. Women do it all the time with shoes. I don't know that there's a shoe equivalent for men because, frankly, I'm not plugged in enough in the fashion arena, but certainly there are men who spend thousands and thousands of dollars on watches just so you can know that they have the money to be able to spend on the watches. Like, I can't tell you the number of times I have seen guys out at the bar and they decide they need to roll up their sleeves just so you can see that they might have like a $15 t-shirt on and a $20 pair of jeans and some flip-flops, but they want you to be able to see that they also have a $5,000 watch on. Now, I'm not I'm not cognizant enough of what a $5,000 watch looks like, but you know who is? Strippers. <laughs> 100%. You roll out to the strip club with a $5,000 watch, strippers know. You're sending the message. I got money. And a lot of women notice it too. Oh, that guy's got money. He's got a $5,000 watch. Men, I feel like, are oblivious oftentimes to what women are spending on their clothes. But other women notice. Like most men don't know if you got, like, what's the most expensive female shoe out there? Is it the red bottom shoes? Is that the Louis Is that the Louis Vuittons or whatever that stuff's called? Christian Louis Vuitton? Am I right about that? Yeah, the Louis Vuittons for, for women. And, and Clay, just so you know, for men... This would be the equivalent to like Yeezys, the the Kanye West limited shoes, or Jordan Space Jam 11s, which range from four to five hundred dollars, or also Gucci uh, men's shoes. 
All right, so that, thank you for the breakdown there. What this basically would mean is I think the challenge that they've got is people want to know whether or not he's going to be a good basketball player. So I think that's the biggest challenge for the shoes, and I don't think these shoes are supposed to ship till November. So if you buy them now, you got to sit around and wait till Thanksgiving. And by the way, LeVar Ball basically uh, going out and, again, getting unbelievable attention. This thing has gotten over 25,000 favorites and retweets. Big ballers loose, LeVar Ball says. If you can't afford the Zoe 2s, you're not a big baller, exclamation point, with a money bag after it. So just go all in. Just go all in on the fact that uh, that you're going to sell $500 shoes. Am I crazy? Let's go around the horn. Am I crazy to think it's easier to sell $500 shoes than it is $150 shoes? I don't know. It definitely comes down to the to whether or not Lonzo Ball is any good or not, and nobody really knows the answer to that yet. If I, he comes I think, out and he's awesome for the first month of the season, I think a lot of people will buy these shoes because you'll stand out with them in a way that you wouldn't with other shoes. Well, you know, there are a lot of sneakerheads back in a previous life. I think I've talked about this on the air before. I, w- I managed to finish line, and we had the Jordan releases every Saturday morning, and we would have lines halfway down the mall, and we would have to hire security and all of those kinds of things to make sure that nobody was rolling out with our product and things like that. There are a lot of people that will drop a ton of money on shoes. But What's the you most know, you ever saw like at a finish line, which is a mall store? What's the most expensive shoe you remember you guys carrying? Uh probably 325, one of the Jordan at the time they were releasing all the Jordans, they were re-releasing them all in different colors and also the original styles. So there were a lot of people that were buying multiple pairs. Now were they limited $25 shoes? Were they limiting that like to me when I saw the $500 cost, what I would have thought would have been cool if I were Lonzo Ball or LeVar Ball, I would have said in addition to this cost, it's a limited edition. We're only going to make 5,000 of these. And then if you don't get one of these 5,000 pairs, we're never going to make them again. Then I would be like, okay, that kind of could make sense, right? You do the math on that. I think 5,000 at 500 bucks would be 2.5 million. You also then factor in whatever the uh, the $1,000 autographed shoes. Let's say you sell 1,000 of those. That's, uh, you know, that's 3.5 million. Like that would be a pretty cool way to start your brand, right? And even if you didn't sell the 5,000, you could claim that you sold out of them and just burn the rest of them. And then if you're a sneakerhead, those might end up having value if Lonzo Ball becomes a good player. Yeah. The challenge here is, like you said, Jason, he has to be a good player now because nobody wants to wear the shoes of a crappy player. Right, and I, I think that your point there is pretty adept in that limited edition really does turn on the collecting community. There will be people that would buy two pairs of the low twos or the whatever they're called because they would want one in a box and maybe one that they would actually try to wear and that would happen all the time and look you get that it's almost like you're you're buying into stock right now if you're buying into Lonzo Ball shoes at $500 you buy those shoes and you don't wear them and Lonzo turns out to be a rookie of the year by the second maybe by his second year he's one of the top 10 15 players in the league all of a sudden you have invested at the right time it's like you're carrying a copy of the Walking Dead number one and you bought it at the time The Walking Dead started and had no idea it was going to end up becoming a huge television show. 
So if you buy in and you're right, it's enormous. So you just have to look at your bank account and say, is this $500 worth it to me now? Because down the line, these could be worth five times as much. Except if they're not limited and there's you know a million pairs out there, they're not going to be worth anything. That's like today's comic books. Because they're an unlimited supply, none of them are ever going to be worth any money because there's absolutely no rarity behind it. Or baseball cards. Exactly. Right? I mean, like baseball cards back in the day, everybody thought that their baseball card was going to be, you know, Mickey Mantle rookie cards worth whatever it is, $50,000. I don't know what the most recent cost is, but that's because your average kid in the 50s just threw away his baseball cards. And then everybody in our generation was like, oh, our baseball cards are going to be worth so much money. And everybody kept them. And there's a ton of volume out there a lot more volume than there is demand. And so as a result, those cards have never really gone up in value very much. I, I think what he can never do is lower the price. I think I don't know how many of these they ordered, but I assume, like, let's assume that they can get these tennis shoes made probably pretty easily for 40 bucks each. You know, they're going to sell them for 500 That would mean if you ordered 1,000 of them, that's 40 k you know, which is a small drop in the bucket of whatever Lonzo Ball's initial rookie contract is going to be. Now, he for he, he turned away from the idea of getting, like, what do you think is the, the biggest rookie year contract that Lonzo Ball could have gotten from somebody? $4 million, $5 million? I mean, it's not like he's going to get $20 million from a shoe company, right? So let's say he could get out in 4 or $5 million. He's taking less money now on the idea that the brand value of his shoes may be substantial, and effectively he's betting on himself. I'm kind of fascinated to see how this is going to turn out. We'll take your calls. Final segment of the first hour, 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. We're talking about the Kelly on Kelly boy named Sue fight. Uh, that happened in the NBA playoffs. Finally, something other than the good teams winning and a long, inevitable slog towards the Warriors and the Cavs about a month from today. Is that about right? When the NBA finals would officially start? Uh, I think they're already scheduled. They already know the official start date. June 1st, all right, a little over a month. A little bit less than a month, sorry, from now. But a long time to sit around and wait for a series that I think just about everybody out there assumes is actually going to happen. So what do we have to have happen? Adam Silver says, let's have a little bit of a shoving match. Let's have some drama. Let's have Kelly Olenek set a screen, and then let's have Kelly Oubre overreact. Two dudes that nobody really knows. We get a shove going on. We got hours and hours of discussion about the impact of the shove. Do you suspend? What am I going to do? Yes, you probably do end up suspending, which gives us more coverage, which means on Sunday people will watch to see whether or not things are going to get wild between the Wizards and the Celtics. Meanwhile, everybody else just out there taking L's as the good teams win and the bad teams don't even really have a chance. We're also talking about the LeVar Ball shoe. The LeVar Ball shoe is uh, out. It's Alonzo Ball, his son's shoe, and he's asking $495 for it, $995 for an autographed version, and $220 for flip-flops. And a lot of people, everybody out there is like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. I actually think it's kind of smart because there is a segment of the population out there that pays insane amounts for the brand, right? I mean, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe a shoe costs $495. I'm like, do you know what women pay for shoes? Do you know what that what these Louis, Louis Louboutins cost? I don't even know how to pronounce it. 
do you know what people are willing to pay for brand value? People are like, oh, those shoes only cost $20 to make. Yeah, right. And then they sell them for 1000 because people want to prove that they have the money to wear $1,000 shoes. Like 95% of women's fashion is convincing women to pay way more than they otherwise would so that they can send the message about themselves by wearing that brand. I think men do it less often, but it certainly still happens. It just typically isn't happening as much associated with price. But you can look at the, the rise of the, the, the high-end watch market. Nobody really needs a watch right now, right? Everybody's got a cell phone with the clock on it. You know what the time is all the time now. But some guys out there are spending $10,000 on a watch. Look at cars. I guess cars is probably the best example. There's not that much difference between a car that costs $100,000 and a car that costs $25,000. But people want to drive in a $100,000 car because you're sending the message that you can afford a $100,000 car. I think it's funny that people are like, oh, that shoe doesn't cost anywhere near 500 bucks. Yeah, no kidding. You think a Ferrari costs $250,000 to make? No. You're in the Ferrari business. You make the car for $45,000, and then you make two hundred grand on every one of them you sell. It doesn't cost that much more money to make a Ferrari than it does to make a Ford Explorer. You're selling the brand. Now, I don't know if Alonzo is going to be any good. That's the ultimate underlying question about this brand. But if Alonzo Ball comes into the NBA and he's one of the best point guards in the league, which I think could happen, and he plays an effervescent, exciting style of basketball, look at the way that Steph Curry took over the NBA. We don't really go after, although we'll see whether that's going to be the case in the years ahead, but by and large, we've seen the ridiculous physically dominating athlete who can dunk the ball at an insane velocity be prominent in the NBA for a long time. Which meant that when Steph Curry came around, we were ready for a pivot. We were ready for a new kind of star, a more accessible star. Steph Curry barely ever dunks. I said during the NCAA tournament, Steph Curry has so taken over basketball that you saw it in the games themselves. Guys were throwing up like 35-footers to try to win games instead of go to the basket because they've seen Steph Curry drain a three with a guy draped all over him, and they want to be like Steph. You or me, we grew up, we wanted to be like Mike. Go to the basket, pull up, hang in the air, watch Elo fly by you. Drive in, pull back, watch Brian Russell go skidding by you, drain a jumper, win a series. Now everybody wants to hit a 35-foot jumper, three-pointer to win. Even in tie games in the NCAA tournament, guy's not going to the basket. No, I'm pulling up for three. Totally unnecessary to shoot a three-point shot, still shooting a three, because Steph Curry took over. Lonzo Ball could play in a similar fashion. Lonzo Ball is a, he almost plays basketball like it's chess. He's not an insane athlete. He's not running and jumping everywhere. But he has better vision. He sees the court better. If Assuming that his talents at UCLA translate to the NBA, he sees the court better than the vast majority of guys do out there. He's like Jason Kidd. Remember when Jason Kidd came into the league? He could just make passes that other people couldn't. He saw the court in a way that other people didn't. The angles and everything else make sense to him. He's a geometrical wizard. If that translates to the NBA then I actually think a $500 shoe could work. 
because I think it's easier to sell a thousand five hundred dollar shoes than it is ten thousand fifty dollar shoes, right? And you're sending the message: my brand is not for everybody. Lavar Ball's tweet is about sending an aspirational message. You can wear five hundred dollar shoes because you are a big baller. If you can't afford it, then that's on you. It's not on us. We're giving you a high-end option. Other guys had to worry because they're like, man, I don't want poor kids to be like, man, what an ass Kobe Bryant is. What an ass LeBron James is. To LeVar Ball's credit, he's kind of established that he's not willing, he's not afraid of being called an ass. And once that's the case, you can print money. I'm speaking from experience. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkeep the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we are talking about the NBA playoffs as they continue. So far, this is a great stat from my guy Jason McIntyre at the big lead. Zero single-digit games so far in the second round of the playoffs. Eight games decided by 10 plus so every single game so far in the NBA playoffs in the second round has been decided by 10 or more points not a lot of suspense I can't imagine that many people are that fired up about what they've seen so far and so you get Adam Silver discreetly pulling out his phone NBA is the WWE and he says we need we need a confrontation we need a battle of the Kellys we need something to happen in the second round of the NBA playoffs to make people care. So far, there have been eight games, and there have been eight games decided by 10-plus. Oftentimes, as was the case last night, after the first quarter, these games are basically over. The Celtics got a 22-point run from the Wizards. They were done in the first quarter. The Warriors are just toying around with the Jazz. They came out, what were they, up 18 at the end of the first quarter, and then basically just played out the thread the rest of the way. We need a little bit of drama, and so we got a little bit of drama from the Celtics and the Wizards. Kelly Oubre reacting to a Kelly Olenek screen. Two guys named Kelly, boy named Sue situation. We end up with an ejection and probably a suspension coming, which will help out when it comes to Sunday's games. Because right now, again, we've got a month. Right now, it is May 5th. The NBA Finals start very beginning of June, I think on June 1st. And we have got an entire month to basically sit around and wait for the Cavs and the Warriors to happen. And I think the NBA is like, yeah, this is not so great. Now the Cavs are going on the road with the Raptors tonight. Maybe the Raptors will get a win. And then you got the Spurs and the Rockets game three. I do think that series is going to be a really good one. Rockets four and a half point favorite. So there's something to look forward to potentially there. And then on Saturday, you've got the Warriors and the Jazz solo. And everybody out there is going to be desperate for the Jazz to get a win, because otherwise, if the Warriors win game three, and the series is over regardless. It really doesn't even matter what happens. I don't even know that anybody needs to watch that game on Saturday. And then we'll see whether or not the Cavs can close out the Raptors on Sunday, assuming they win tonight. And then they sit around for a long time and wait until they get to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. Best record ever in the NBA playoffs is 15-1. and Am I right about that? The Lakers, didn't they go 15-1, and Danny G.? Yeah, you're correct on that. So right now, there's at least maybe that hanging out, but are there that many people who sit around? How many of you out there knew? I didn't know until Danny G put it in the chat for me here. I don't. How many of you out there knew the best NBA record in the playoffs? I mean, it's not some like 
august magisterial record that everybody's rooting to get broken. I guess maybe there'd be an interest if the if the Warriors, I think that's the only team that could make that run. If they start off 8-0, 8-0, perfect through two rounds, Cavs obviously could start off 8-0 too. I think the Warriors are just a prohibitive favorite over the Cavs once we got to the actual playoffs. But that would be about the worst-case scenario, I think, for the NBA. At least the Cavs-Warriors is a series that everybody's going to tune into because you got LeBron, you got big names, third straight year it's happened. I've said this a bunch of times. The best thing that could have happened to the NBA was LeBron winning in seven games in the second year of that playoff because if the Warriors had closed out the Cavs in five games, as nearly happened absent the Draymond Green suspension, this would be the, the, the amount of drama involved in the NBA would be almost negligible this year. Because everybody would just be like, man, the Warriors already had won back-to-back championships, and then they added Kevin Durant. So now they're going to win their third straight title, and there'd be few people out there, typically in Cleveland, who'd be like, no, the Cavs can win, and most of us would be saying, that's obviously not going to be the case. What do we got going on in the next two hours? Bottom of this hour, we have got a guy that I think is going to be pretty intriguing for you. One of the things that we've talked about on this show is the intersection of sports and politics and the extent to which it has taken over to a large degree as, you know, whether it's the Donald Trump situation, whether it's Colin Kaepernick, and how that impacts you guys as sports fans. A lot of you regularly react. You say, look, ESPN has gone too far left wing with the Caitlyn Jenner decision, the way they covered Michael Sam, like he was a modern-day Jackie Robinson, the fact that nobody challenged the ESPN-driven narrative that's still obviously, by the way, in existence, about Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick has not signed, and every day that I scroll through ESPN, I see somebody at ESPN like, this is a disgrace. It's a disgrace that Colin Kaepernick hasn't signed. I don't see anybody talking about Jay Cutler not signing. News came out that I've known for a little while that Jay Cutler's exploring potentially the opportunity to be a broadcaster. I know he's talked to several different people about that experience and whether or not he would do it. And I don't hear anybody talking about Jay Cutler not being signed. Compare the amount of words that have been given and spent on Colin Kaepernick not being signed. And the most recent, of course, was, oh, my God, well, we've got people who beat women like Joe Mixon. We've got people who are accused of sexual assault like Gary on Conley, both being drafted, and we don't have Colin Kaepernick being signed. Well, first of all, that might be because the teams think that Gary on Conley and Joe Mixon's talents exceed their problems. See, I, the thing about the Colin Kaepernick situation that's funny to me is, is there anybody out there that disputes that if Aaron Rodgers was taking a knee during the national anthem, he would still be playing? And in fact, if the Green Bay Packers had been so outraged by it and they'd made him a free agent, that there are 31 other NFL teams that would be interested in signing Aaron Rodgers? And the same thing would be true of Russell Wilson, probably. Because some people want to make it a race issue, right? Well, if it were a race issue, don't you think that racist teams would have decided not to sign Joe Mixon after he punched a white girl? Don't you think that racist teams would have chosen not to sign Gary on Conley after he was accused of raping a white girl? Like, if it were really a racial issue, that would be a pretty egregious racial issue, right? If you were racist, then you probably wouldn't make the decision to go sign Joe Mixon, draft him at 48 overall, 
despite the fact that he beat the crap out of a white girl on a video. And you probably wouldn't go draft Garyon Conley in the first round if he were accused of raping a white girl, right? So all these idiots out there who are like, oh, the reason Colin Kaepernick's not getting signed is because he's black. Shut up. You're idiots. The reason why Colin Kaepernick is not getting signed is because he protested the national anthem and, and this is the part that nobody else will follow, and he's not a very good quarterback. He's not good enough to start in the league and win games. The team that he started for last year went 2-14. and 14. He got beaten out by Blaine Gabbert, who I think is still unsigned too. Newsflash, when you're approaching 30 years old, like Colin Kaepernick is, and people have figured you out, and you aren't a very good quarterback, you probably don't need to take a knee for the national anthem. Just tossing it out there. If you're really good at what you do, you can get away with that. I remember I came on with an analogy, because I think this solves so many of the problems for you. If you're one of those people who wants to work at ESPN, and you want to say, like, oh, this is a racial issue, everything is racist, everybody's racist, I saw... Like uh, they went on ESPN the other day and one of their one of their guys was like, America is a fundamentally racist country. Well, first of all, every city in America is racist. Well, stop with that, first of all, okay? Are there racist people in every city in America? Yes. Here's a newsflash for you. A lot of them are black. And a lot of those people are Hispanic. And a lot of those people are Asian too. And racist. I've got a crazy idea for you out here. I think that racism in sports is equally brought by every single race and ethnicity. It's a wild idea that I know a lot of people can't get their hands around. White people being racist against black people is a small segment of the racism that exists in this country. There are Asian people racist against other people. There are Hispanic people. There are black people. And there are white people. I would argue the proportions actually probably similar. Although, you know, there's a big talk now about, oh, what's white privilege? What's black privilege? You know what black privilege is? Black privilege is you can say anything and nobody really calls you racist. Look at the responses that I got when I made fun of Tack McKinley for bringing his grandma's picture onto the stage. We read them on this show. You can go listen to them on Outkick the Show. Insanely racist responses from black dudes towards me. Insanely. But they can't be racist because America's lazy, because the media's lazy. If you want to make that argument, oh, and we had, obviously, this all spiraled out of the Adam Jones situation in Boston, and I said on this show, we didn't spend a lot of time on that. It doesn't surprise me that in a stadium of 37,000 people, there's one guy who wants to yell a racial slur. Like, that's pretty rare, right? That's a tiny percentage of Boston, which, by the way, is an incredibly liberal city that voted for Hillary Clinton at an insanely high rate. One of the most liberal cities in America. If Boston has one person out of 37,000 screaming a racial slur, and by the way, we still haven't seen the video of that, right? Like, Adam Jones says that somebody said something racist to him, okay, but we still don't have any tangible evidence that that actually happened. And the entire world comes undone. Oh, my God, somebody said a racial slur somewhere. Well, that doesn't surprise me. They're racist people. What's more surprising to me, and I think speaks better to the future of the country, is that 37,000 people in Fenway Park stood up and gave a standing ovation to Adam Jones in that stadium, despite the fact that their favorite team was in the middle of a nasty rivalry with the Baltimore Orioles. That's what stood out to me. That's the bigger story. 
You still got all these people. America's a fundamentally racist country. The reason I bring that up, we've got, I think, a fascinating guest coming up at the bottom of this hour. He's David Seawright, and he is a pollster. And he has been trying to ask this question, which is one that I think has been grappled with a great deal during the course of 2016. Does politicizing sports hurt ESPN? And I think there's no doubt that ESPN has gone far left wing. He's got some data for us from inside the city of Cincinnati that I think is going to be pretty fascinating as it's a big story and continues to be a big story. In the final hour, we'll talk to my guy Lance Taylor. We will also open up the phones as we always do on Friday in the final hour for the always fun I Hate You Clay Travis segment. Cooper in Houston, I believe. Is he still waiting, uh, Jason Martin? Yes. Cooper, what's up? Hey, what's happening, man? Living the dream. Hey, I wanted to, uh, with the shoes deal. Uh, Levar, Would you pay 500 Lonzo. bucks for them? Yeah. Nah, nah, man. I'm, I'm spending that kind of money on shoes. <laughs> but don't you think uh, that did. it's it's smart to go high end? Because I do think there's people who want to establish that they have $500, that they can afford to spend that on shoes. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the part I agree with you on. What I don't agree, believe it or not, I think that no matter how good or bad Junior plays, I don't think it'll affect the, the shoes that much. This is why. Um, it's like that the polarizing, uh, the, the, the Howard Stearns and the Rush Limbaugh's and people, radio people that uh, folks hate, but they're always listening to the show. Yep. I think that, at least at the beginning, that's what I think it'll be like with the shoes. People hate the dad so much, so it doesn't matter how the son performs. I think they're going to buy the shoes just because, oh, I, everybody hates this guy, so I'm going to buy some of these shoes just because it'll be, you know, bragging rights, collecting rights. So, I mean, I think that how he plays will come in, it'll put, uh, play into it, but I think that the fact that his dad is so polarizing, I think that's going to um, overshadow the uh, the son's the, performance the, on the his, court. His play. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, so I, don't like the only bad, thing I, I don't think that's a bad theory. Look, I mean, six months ago, none of you had ever heard of LeVar Ball, and the vast majority of you had never heard of Alonzo Ball. Think about that. Six months ago, none of you know who LeVar Ball is unless you're in L.A. and like you're really plugged in with the overall basketball scene there. And almost none of you know Lonzo, right? Six months ago, even three months ago, almost none of you have ever heard of Lonzo or LeVar. Now, some of you are big-time college basketball fans. Most people don't pay attention to college basketball until the NCAA tournament. 90% of all college basketball viewing, if not 95%, happens during the college basketball, during the NCAA tournament. So none of you had ever heard of this guy. Three months later, he's number one trending on Twitter. He has got a $500 shoe, and we'll see whether or not it has the potential to actually sell some, some pairs. But I think it's pretty fascinating. Interesting study. A lot of you guys, kids out there, you're in high school or you're in college and you're in, you, a lot of you are in business and you're interested in business like ideas of how to study business. This to me, in the, to the extent that he ever publishes how many of these shoes that he's actually selling and is honest with it, this to me is a fascinating business, business example because you can compare for Lonzo the decision to sign with a Nike and Adidas and Under Armour or a Reebok versus the decision to come out with this shoe on his own. And I do think that coming out at a $500 price point is a lot smarter than coming out at a $150 price point or certainly coming out at a $50 price point. 
the same people who were saying, oh, $500, that's too expensive. If he had come out at $50, you'd be like, buy, you'd be like why would I buy those cheap-ass shoes? It's better to go high-end than it is to go low-end. Low-end, you've got to sell a ton of product. Trust me. You've got to sell an absolute ton of product. I know because i got my own apparel company, Outkick Gear. We sell thousands and thousands of Outkick apparel things. If you like this show, go to outkickgear.com. You can buy your own Outkick gear. We sell thousands and thousands of them. And we have raised our prices because we raise our prices because it doesn't impact whether or not people make the decision to buy. If you want Outkick gear, you're going to buy them. Now, I'm not saying we could sell it for 500 bucks, but I do think that's an intriguing brand to just go high end. Talk about it. Take your calls. Any of that you want to react to, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. I'm Clay Travis. We're going to talk at the bottom of the hour to David Seawright. He is uh, an expert pollster. And he has looked into the question, is politicizing sports hurting TV rankings, uh, in particular the Colin Kaepernick mess and everything else? I think that's going to be pretty fascinating for people. I don't know exactly what he's going to say, but that's why the best guests uh, are willing to come on OutKick. We'll see what happens. Let's go to calls. Uh, Rob in Illinois. Rob, what's up? What's up, Clay Travis? Living the dream. Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, I've been listening to Mike and Mike for 10 years. It took me one week to switch over to you. You got it going on, brother. I appreciate that. Thanks. Hey, real quick on the Lonzo Ball deal. I think he's either going to be uh, – he must be going to be figuring on giving twos away to the AAU circuit or something at $500 a pair and hoping that uh, it'll become the nostalgic uh, closet, put the shoes in the closet forever deal for everybody else. But, uh, you know, America loves stupid. Look at Stephen A. Smith and how far he got. That's all I got for you, brother. Appreciate the call. I, I just really, I think it's, I think he's, I think he is crazy like a fox. I think that the decision to go with a five hundred dollar price point, four hundred ninety five dollar price point, actually makes sense. I really do. I think if you're going to do it, you go high end as opposed to try to be normal. Like you got to do something that's different than the Nikes of the world. And to his credit, he's made it clear that he's all about the money and that he doesn't care whether or not you like him. And so I haven't heard anybody criticizing the price as like, man, these poor kids are not going to be able to afford them, right? If Kobe Bryant had come out with a $500 shoe, everybody would have immediately said, man, what kind of message is Kobe Bryant sending to his young fans? If LeBron James did it, the world would come to an end. Look at LeBron James. He claims that he cares about young kids and he's charging $500 for his shoes. Hell, if Michael Jordan did it, that would be the situation too. But if Alonzo Ball does it, because everybody already hates his dad. Everybody's like, oh, LeVar Ball, what an ass. Look how dumb he is. And nobody's actually saying, oh, he's pricing kids out of his shoe. Well, that's kind of brilliant, right, in some way? Because now he can charge whatever he wants for his product, and nobody's out there saying, look at Lonzo Ball trying to take advantage of all the young, poor kids who are basketball fans that can't afford his shoe. Instead, everybody's like, why would anybody buy your crappy shoe? Well, that's how America works. I bet a lot of people buy it if he's decent. I think it makes a lot of sense. It also makes sense to do it now because we don't know if he sucks yet. 
like if you you put it out right now, you're going to attract a certain you're going to attract certainly the higher end client. You're going you're gonna to attract the people that want to make some kind of a statement of having something different, a conversation piece, especially something that costs a lot of money. Same thing you were talking about with the watch and things like that. But if he comes out in the first three months and he stinks and he's got $150 shoes, nobody's going to buy those. If he puts out 500 right now, he strikes while the iron's hot and he draws in the people that are willing to bet that Lonzo Ball is going to be good down the road. And then you've been able to cash in before he goes out there and fumbles a career away. Not saying that he's going to, but right now I think the risk is lower because no one's actually gotten a chance to watch him on an NBA floor yet. I think also you could come out and say, look, my shoe's not for everybody. It's for people who have money. And then what do you say in response? You're like, okay. I mean, you know, like when I come on, people criticize. They say, oh, I can't believe you talked about that segment. I'm like, look, my show is for adults. My show is for people who should be. Like, I don't think your six-year-old should listen to my show. My six-year-old doesn't listen to my show. If you want a show that a six-year-old can listen to, you put on Mike and Mike. If you want a show that is for adults or people who are approaching adult age, and I would include like 12 and 13-year-old kids in that group. Like this is a PG-13 show. We're not PG, right? You can make that decision for yourself. If I were on satellite radio exclusively, it would be an R-rated show. It would be just for adults. My show that is on Periscope and Facebook Live is an R-rated show. It's for adults. I certainly wouldn't let my 6-year-old or my 9-year-old listen to that show. That's a decision you got to make. And Lonzo Ball can be like, look, my shoe's for rich kids. My shoe's for rich adults. It's for successful people. It's the anti-Starberry. 100%. Let's go to uh, Sean in Oakland. Sean, what's up? Hey, what's up, Clay Travis? What's up, my man? Um, I just wanted to say um, I don't think Lonzo Ball is NBA ready. There's too many one and dones in college. Maybe, but I, I think he's going to be pretty good when he gets to the NBA. I think his game better fits the NBA than it even does in college, but we'll see. Yeah, the pass, the passing game, I, I absolutely agree. But scoring wise, kind of shaky on that. But remember, Jason Kidd couldn't shoot for like ten years in the NBA, and then he ended up being a pretty decent outside shooter. You have so many more hours to devote to shooting once you get in the league that I think there are tons of guys you can point to who came in. Now you can say also his form is kind of freaky; it takes a long time to shoot. But look at Rajon Rondo, dude, still can't shoot, and if he doesn't break his thumb, then he beats the number one seat in the Eastern Conference. True. And one more thing, uh, anybody who don't understand what you're trying to say about the Colin Kaepernick talent-wise need to pay attention to the Kobe Bryant and Ray Lewis situation. Amen. That's a great example. Ray Lewis charged with double murder, Kobe Bryant charged with rape, and you know what? They had incredible careers. There's a statue up to Ray Lewis outside the stadium, and Kobe Bryant went on a tour of the entire NBA when he decided to leave. You know why? Because their talent far exceeded their problems. Kobe Bryant took a knee during the national anthem during the height of his NBA power, every team would have still tried to sign him. Ray Lewis damn near may well have killed two people. He was charged with double murder and then testified against other people in that case, paid out tons of money in civil damages, and there's no doubt at all that he still is an NBA Hall of Famer and he has a statue. Let's go to William in New Orleans. William, what's up? Hello, Mr. Travis. How are you doing this morning? I'm excellent. How are you? All right, I understand you live in Nashville, and some of my buddy PK came from Canada playing with y'all. Y'all doing good enough. 
<laughs> yeah, the Preds are on a roll. I got to admit, I had no idea who uh, – I mean, I knew who he was because there's not that many black dudes in hockey. I mean, I kind of know that guy. But I, I think I got his name right. Didn't I say P.K. Sam? I think, But I think I got his name right now. Yes, P.K. Subban is, is correct. P.K. Sam, a nice wide receiver in the CFL. It's easy to get confused when there's a P.K., though. There's not that many P.K. guys whose second name starts with an S. Especially athletes. I should well, definitely be matter. praised, I think, for knowing P.K. Sam still. I don't think you should be praised for, for that at all, but sure. Uh, all right, we got uh, we get ready to go to trending. Are we good? We, has we got somebody sitting in the chair there ready to talk this time? <laughs> Let's find out what's trending. Hopefully so. Here we go. It's time for trending. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We got David Seawright. He is the. This is an interesting interview. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. He's at David Seawright on Twitter. He works at Deep Root Analytics. He's the director of analytics and product innovation. And he decided to do a deep dive into a question that a lot of people out there have been asking Is the politicization of sports making people care less about sports? It's something that we've talked a great deal uh, about on this show, whether or not, for instance, ESPN going left wing has alienated a certain segment of their viewership. It's something that Linda Cohn, SportsCenter anchor, has recently talked about. It's something that certainly we have talked about in the wake of ESPN making the decision to fire 100 people. And, uh, David, I appreciate you joining us. Um, You decided to do a deep dive on this. Kind of explain what your company does and uh, as background before we get into what you uncovered. Sure. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. So um, what Deep Root Analytics does is we find out what different local uh, key target audiences watch on TV. We were born out of politics. So what we do is we match the voter file, uh, segmented audiences from the voter file to cable set top box, smart TV and other media consumption data sources to find out what key voters are watching on TV. What this means is we're able to produce what we call custom TV ratings for our clients. So instead of buying off of a broad demographic like adults 35 plus, our audiences can buy off of a core Republican rating or a swing voter rating or in the commercial sense, a likely to buy a new car rating. Um, Essentially, we can segment data uh, and uh, the electorate into different groups and find out what they're watching on TV. So when all this news was happening about ESPN, it was an interesting intersection of my interests. Obviously, I I measure TV for a living, um, especially in local markets. Most of my clients are Republicans' campaigns and causes. I also went to UC Berkeley. I played football at Cal. And so I was watching frankly, on Twitter, watching this all unfold and seeing all of the what I would call hot takes about the impact of the politicization of ESPN has had on its viewership as it's lost subscriptions and had to had to lay off people. And I had the data to find out what was there. So I went in and I looked at in a single market what um, core Republicans and core Democrats were watching on TV and was able to see the shift in the partisanship of ESPN's audience from 2015 to 2016 as the mothership uh, became became more outwardly political and more outwardly left-leaning. 
And I saw very clearly that the audience from 20, in 2016 from 2015 skewed more and more liberal. Republicans were stopping watching uh, ESPN across all of its properties, ESPN, ESPN News, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes. Republicans were turning it off. Um, and I, I think it's probably more than coincidental that this was the time that the network was getting more and more outwardly left-leaning and political. This is fascinating. So I want to go back into your background, and then I'm going to dive back into what you uncovered. So you were a football player at Berkeley. How did that happen for a guy who ends up in Republican politics? <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I loved going to UC Berkeley. Um, Berkeley is a great place. Uh, it's certainly been a bit more in the news lately um, for some of the what I would call Berkeley charm, what I, what I really enjoyed there. Um, you know, Berkeley – Berkeley is a place that makes you really think about what you believe and why you believe it. I think for some people like me, it might lean them or take them to lean a little bit more conservative in their, in their politics than they were when they arrived. It might be a bit of a reactionary thing. But I had an absolutely awesome experience at Berkeley, and it was actually my coursework at Berkeley that made me decide I wanted to work in politics. And so after I graduated from Berkeley, I moved to D.C. I got a master's degree in media politics and statistics from Georgetown, and I've been working in the larger political arena since then. Okay, so there's a lot of people like me who have the theory that that being political about sports in a segment like this show is a little bit different, right? We come on here, we talk about everything for three hours every day. We have a lot of different time. And, I, you know, like I'm a very middle-of-the-road guy, libertarian, I would say at this point. I've worked in democratic politics before. So if I pick up what I perceive to be very left-leaning moves by ESPN, Caitlyn Jenner wins an ESPY because she decides to become a woman. Uh, Michael Sam is suddenly a, a hero because he likes to have sex with gay dudes uh, and uh, men instead of women. And, like, that's a huge story that I think most people don't really care about, but ESPN treats him like he is a modern-day Jackie Robinson. And then, obviously, the Colin Kaepernick situation. Nobody on all of ESPN's networks comes out and says what I think is true, which is Colin Kaepernick's an idiot and his protest made no sense. All of those things, I think, have conspired to make people like ESPN less. And ESPN's gone left-wing. you got Rachel Nichols out here comparing the transgender bathroom bill to a modern-day civil rights uh, lunch counter sit-in in the state of North Carolina. I think the vast majority of people listening to me right now think that all of those positions are ludicrous and also that they are artificially injecting sport, uh, politics into sports. But you did an actual study. So you, when I read the study, and I'm far from a math guy, but when I read the story, what was jarring to me was the move. Now, you did it in Cincinnati. Why Cincinnati as the place where you chose to do this study to examine the impact of ESPN's political moves? So I, I chose to look at Cincinnati first and foremost because it's a pretty big market. So we've got a large sample of people and data there. Uh, it's also a big market and a key swing state and an outwardly political state that in 2016 was a swing race uh, in the Senate and a swing presidential race um, as well. And so it seemed like a, a, a decent battleground to look at, uh, at, least, at least to start with. And Cincinnati went to Hillary Clinton, if I'm not mistaken, right? Didn't she win the, the election there over Donald Trump? Yeah, I mean, the, the core of Cincinnati, the center of Cincinnati, like most urban centers, did go for Hillary Clinton. Once you get further out into the larger geography of the media market, it would turn red. But it's, you know, this was basically a 50-50 style election. And to you, Cincinnati, decent-sized media market, represented that perfect kind of 50-50 test as an approximation for the nation as a whole. That's why you picked Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
Can you come back with us on the flip side here and talk a little bit more? We've got to take a break, and I'd, I'd like to talk with you a little bit longer. Do you have a little bit more time for us? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to talk more with David C. Wright, former UC Berkeley football player who has gone into politics, and he's actually got data on something that has been vastly debated, but it's just our opinions about things. I want to get into his findings on a more substantial level. He's going to be with us on the next segment. Has ESPN going left wing turned off conservative viewers? He's going to answer that question for us on the flip side. But first, let's go ahead and take this break. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkeep the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. We are talking to David C. Wright. He's a deep root, deep root analytics. And there's been a big discussion about whether making sports political has turned off a lot of viewers. In particular, ESPN's move to the left wing whether or not that has turned off Republican skewing voters. And he did something interesting. Instead of just having an opinion, he went into the data. He's in this business of analyzing at a deep level who exactly is watching which programs. And we've got him on now with us now. David C. Wright played football at UC Berkeley, now makes his living in the political arena. He works at Deep Root. You can check out Deep Root Analytics at deeprootanalytics.com. I'll tweet out this link after we finish this interview with him if you are intrigued to see this data for yourself, which I imagine many of you are. And I appreciate you joining us early this morning, David. So this is what I am uh, really kind of want to dive into here. You have a big graph up on your website that I'm looking at right now. And I have long argued this, and people either don't get it or they're too dumb to understand it. On average, I believe that sports fans tend to be conservative, right? And especially football fans. I imagine that would square with the data that you see on a fairly regular basis. In other words, if you go into a college football stadium or an NFL stadium, it's more likely than not that that audience is voting Republican. Yeah, I, I think it's going to vary uh, based by on market, geography based somewhat. On geography and market, yeah. But, but I think generally speaking, sports is a great equalizer in this country. People who are left-leaning, people who are right-leaning, progressive, conservative, we all watch sports. Um, and so I, I, I think it's an interesting arena to analyze as things get more political because sports fans come in all shapes and colors and all political ideologies. And it's the one thing that I've argued on this, this show for a long time and on all my shows. It's the thing that unites whether you're a neurosurgeon or a janitor you can sit around and talk about your local team. It doesn't matter the fact that you have obviously very different life experiences at that point. In 2015, I'm looking at your data, and in Cincinnati in particular, the audience for ESPN television shows skewed Republican oftentimes by a fairly substantial margin. Yes, yep, that's exactly right. Across all times of day, across almost every major ESPN property. As much, and I'm using just ESPN as an example, but as much as 21 skew on the Republican scale and as low as 12 on the Republican scale, that was from early morning all the way to overnight all day long in 2015. And then 2016 happens and the changes are unbelievably massive. What did you see? Yeah, so what surprised me most when I got into this data was um, the consistency of the leftward move of ESPN's audiences, which basically means that Republican voters were turning the network off. Uh, as much as, as you said, a 21% shift from right to left um, uh, in the audience, just on ESPN alone from uh, 2015 to 2016. 
So people out there have told – I've been saying that I, I believe this is happening, and I saw where some one critic basically accused me of smoking crack to have this belief. What would your response be based on the data that you've seen? Yeah, I, my, the point that I would make is that the data and the technology exists to understand what key audiences are consuming on TV. So we don't need to speculate. We can match Republican voters and Democratic voters from the voter file – up to cable set-top box data, in this case in Cincinnati, to see exactly what they are watching and how their viewership patterns change over time. So, uh, you know, the data exists. That's why I got into it to have a look. And the trend in Cincinnati is, is absolutely clear that Republicans in 2016 started to turn the network off. And what I think is interesting, Clay, I, I, we haven't released this yet, but I do have some new data that I'm working on because a good criticism of the study that you and I are talking about here is that it was in only one market. So I went ahead and pulled data in 43 markets um, that we have data for, including big markets like New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. And we see a similar trend on ESPN alone. We see a 5% shift from right to left of viewership in 2016. So this is not just a Cincinnati problem for ESPN. Yeah, and that's a massive problem. Let's say you were advising ESPN. Let's say you were advising ESPN and they came to you and they said, is this hurting us with Republican viewers? Your response would be categorically yes. Yeah, the the larger point that I would make is this. As you've written about, ESPN faces some structural business model challenges in this new age with people unsubscribing from cable, with how much they are paying for their live sports deals, et cetera. Some of those things they control, some of those things they cannot control. But ESPN, like just about every other organization, entity, brand out there, is trying to figure out how to connect to this unique cultural and political moment that we are in. And they can control that. They can figure out, they can decide how are they going to engage in politics as it relates to sports. And we are able to measure the impact of these things. And that's what exactly I'm able to look at with my data to see how core audiences are changing their viewership over time. So the answer that I would give ESPN is, regardless of what decision you make about your editorial judgment, how much opinion uh, you're going to offer on the air, uh, you should be measuring to find out what impact this is. And frankly, they need to decide, is, this, is the impact of our decisions worth it for, for, for a time when they're trying to figure out how to navigate a bit of a new world order? This is outstanding stuff, David. Again, I'm going to tweet out this link. I appreciate you coming and joining us. We would like to have you on back again when you release the data from all the markets that you're doing your search on. I would love to see that data and have you come on and talk about that with us as well. Sounds great. We'd love to join you. That is David Seawright. I'm going to tweet out this link. Open phone lines. I want to talk about the results of this. Do you guys buy it? 877-996-6369. Has ESPN gone left wing? Has it changed the way that you consume sports? Is it frustrating to you? Open phone lines right now. We will discuss as we begin hour three. And also, remember, bottom of the hour, if you hate me, and many of you do hate me, it's your opportunity to tee off. It's I hate you, Clay Travis, coming up at the bottom of the final hour of the week, 30 minutes from now. It's one of the most popular segments we do. Get ready. Think about the reasons, all of them, why you hate me. Maybe my wife will even call in. She's got a few reasons this week. I am Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage. And we are going to discuss this more on the flip side. 877-996-6369 here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio studios. Studios. I am Clay Travis. This is the best and most fearless show in all of Sports Talk Radio. If you question me, just 
here the last couple of segments we've had and here the next couple of segments we're about to have. Final hour of the show, bottom of the hour, we will have I Hate You, Clay Travis, your opportunity to tee off on me. Uh, in the meantime, you should go to GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote as well. I need to get the car fixed up as you go into the weekend. Duralast batteries proven tough and designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. With patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. I just retweeted that study. If you are fascinated, you're a, a high school kid driving into school this morning. You're a college kid. You're in grad school somewhere, and you need an interesting study to write about uh, You know the intersection of politics and sports. This guy, David Seawright, who we just had on, basically proving that at least in Cincinnati, and he told us that he's done 43 other markets now, that there has been a substantial shift in viewership at ESPN as they have gone left wing. Well, a lot of people say, why would ESPN do this? They're a business. And I think you got to think big in terms of the overall strategy. And it's interesting that this, this story broke while we were on the air with David Seawright. This is uh, going to be a big story in politics today. Disney CEO Bob Iger being pelted. I'm reading from uh, Mike Allen's playbook. Disney CEO Bob Iger being pelted with inter- uh, with uh, suggestions that he run for president in 2020 and that he's clearly intrigued by the idea and he's discussed the feasibility with friends but has made no formal moves. He's here. This is a quote. He's hearing quite a bit of you should run. You'd be a great president, said one Hollywood insider. He's hearing that quite a bit from prominent fundraisers and Democratic insiders. Who's the ringleader who's leaking this information? Jeffrey Katzenberg, former Disney Studios chairman, said to be among those encouraging a run. The Hollywood Reporter said in March, Iger's told friends he's considering their nudges. Rumor in Hollywood is that Katzenberg was a clear leak of the story. I have argued that that explains ESPN's leftward move. You can go read my article. I just retweeted it. I believe that Bob Iger thinks that he could run against uh, against Donald Trump as the inclusive billionaire. He can argue that Donald Trump is the exclusive billionaire. He's the guy who wants to exclude people from the overall larger pie of American commerce. And Bob Iger can say, look at my record at Disney. We made billions of dollars. Look at how inclusive I was at ESPN. I brought in all these different people, these men, these women who were otherwise not getting their voices uh, heard, and we remade ESPN as this beautiful, uh, totally, completely nonpartisan, even though it's not true, left-wing, perfect microscope that we have used as an opportunity to look at everything that's going on in American society. I've put more black people on air. I've put more Hispanic people on air. I've put more Asian people on air. And now ESPN looks like America, and it's making the world a better place. He's using ESPN as evidence of how he believes America should look. I think it's transparent. I think it's clear. I think that's why ESPN has gone left wing in the last year. You buy it, Jason Martin? Yeah, the Iger thing, ever since I read your article when you posted originally about Iger and we talked about it a little bit on this show, uh, I looked, when the layoffs came out, I looked at it from a different perspective. I paid attention to the names that were being let go, not necessarily because Ed Werder was some longtime NFL guy, even though that did stand out. But if you look at who was let go, it was not the outward 
is all white dudes. Social, well, not even that. It's the loudmouth political left, the SJWs, the progressives, the heavy progressives. They're all still employed. About 95% of them are still employed. Your Mina Kimes, your Bomani's, your Sarah Spain's, your LZ Granderson's, your Michelle Beatles. All of those kind of peoples are gone. Ed Werder's not on Twitter talking about politics. Paul Kaharski was not on Twitter talking about politics. Jason Stark was never on Twitter talking about politics. All the people that talk politics, ESPN proved to me, based on who they let go, that they're doubling down on their political leanings, and that would indicate to me that Iger is trying to make himself impeccable in terms of his progressive and inclusive qualifications because if you look at the list of people that are still there and the ones let go, it's very, very obvious there was an agenda behind who was let go that extends far beyond this guy was making more money, we can hire somebody cheaper. I think you're right. I think there's no doubt that all the left-wing opinionists got protected. You just ran through a big list of them. They get emboldened. They believe they can say even more left-wing crazy stuff because the guy who is the CEO of the company, I would encourage you to go read that article. If you're looking for a reason why ESPN's business is collapsing, why they're alienating viewers, it's because Bob Iger wants to run for president. And he's using ESPN as the laboratory to justify what his inclusive America would look like. I really 100% believe that. And once you open your eyes up, you get woke, Twitter fam. You're like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. There is a method to this madness. Why otherwise would a major network like this be alienating what used to be the majority of its audience? What's fascinating about that Cincinnati study, and again, David Seawright, who was just on with us, says that he has expanded it beyond just ESPN and in Cincinnati to ESPN and all these other markets, is oftentimes the majority audience for watching ESPN was Republican voters. And why would you go out and just spite all the people who otherwise are watching your network and choose, lead to them abandoning your network? Why would you do that? Because you want to run for president. Starts to make a lot of sense. Let's go to your calls. 877-996-6369. Kevin in Virginia Beach. Kevin, what's up? Clay, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. I was calling in to say that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was one of those people that was pushed away from ESPN. And it's really how I found your show, and I'm grateful for that. Um, during all that Colin Kaepernick stuff, basically I was thinking exactly what you said before. Like, no one on the entirety of ESPN is against this. No one's saying anything. Not one person. Yeah, I mean, it really um, – I felt – you know, I was just saying before – um, I felt very much like I'm the only person in the world who seems to realize like there's some sort of a shift going on over there. And now you guys talking about him running for president. I'll tell you why that makes sense to me. Because if you're a real sports fan, you would never want to see happen to ESPN what's happened. You know what I mean? Yep. Be- because like sports for most of us, has always been non-political. It's a great place to sort of get away from that that kind of thought process. And, you know, honestly, when I'm watching football, the last thing I want to see, and, you know, I will just fess up right away, I am a retired New York City police officer. And during that whole Colin Kaepernick thing, you know, it's, it's fine for everybody to have their opinions. It's just, it's really difficult when this network that I've supported forever refuses to show the other side no one's speaking for the other side it was really um that's what pushed me away 
Well, thanks for the call, Kevin, and thanks for the work that you did as New York City police officer. I can't imagine how tough that is. I've said this for a long time, guys. I am so pro-cop in the whole Black Lives Matter movement that it turns off some people. But I'm going to be honest with you. Cops protect more black lives than anybody else in this country right now. There's nobody who believes black lives matter more than cops. And this idea that Colin Kaepernick advanced that cops are the enemy is, I think, the single worst political statement that has been made in this country since my life. I'm almost 40 years old. I'm 38 years old. I was born in 1979. There's not a single political cause that I have seen that is more misguided in my life than Colin Kaepernick's protest against the national anthem based on the treatment of minorities in this country. Because what it did was it made it appear in many segments of the American population that it was okay to believe that police are the enemy. It's the exact opposite message that you should be sending in this country. It's just not true. Are police perfect? No. Nobody's perfect in their job. Except me, I'm pretty damn good at it. Not perfect, but pretty close. Nobody's perfect at what they do. Doesn't matter who you are. You make mistakes too. Cops are not flawless. I'm not saying that. If they commit crimes, they should be prosecuted like everybody else. But by and large, nobody in this country protects more lives than cops. I didn't see a single person at ESPN ever say that. Tire network. Hours and hours all day long. Nope, it was Colin Kaepernick. He's a modern-day hero for what he did. That was pure BS, unadulterated. Mike in Mississippi. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, guys? Great show. I'm going to tell you three things to back up what this guy's study saying and what you're saying. We just got your show down here in the Jackson, Mississippi area, and it has allowed many of us to not have to listen to the ESPN affiliates. Appreciate that. So that, you know, and that. Secondly, what the previous caller said, you know, I don't. I'm. I want to escape in sports, man. I mean, I'm. I'm inundated by the news all day long. And then the last thing is, me and four of my buddies served in Panama in the first Gulf. And when the Kaepernick came thing happened, a friend of mine called me. Goes, look, it's going to take ESPN less than a week to make Kaepernick a hero. And some, you know what, on that network will find one guy in the military that says, hey, that's what we're fighting for. And sure enough, on Mike and Mike, five days later, they find some whack job Green Beret, prayed him out there, and say, look, even the military says that's what they were fighting for. Look, I assure you, I was not fighting for a guy talking about the First Amendment with a Fidel Castro shirt on. (laughs) ESPN doesn't get it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Mike, I appreciate the call. Thanks for the service. I think you're speaking for the vast majority of Americans. And, again, the vast majority of Americans think that Colin Kaepernick is an idiot whose protest made no sense and actually made the country worse. And arguably, I've said this on the show, I think Colin Kaepernick got Donald Trump elected. You look at where Donald Trump's voters came from. He won all 11 SEC states, Southeastern Conference. He won every Big 12 state. And he won every Big 10 state with the exception of Illinois and Minnesota, and he almost won Minnesota. That's traditional Big Ten states. I'm not counting New Jersey or Maryland, where Maryland and Rutgers got added. He won Michigan. He won Ohio. He won Pennsylvania. And he won Wisconsin. And three of those states are Republican, I believe, had not won since 1984. And do you know those three states that he flipped? Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and um, uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. All three of those states 
Do you know how many voters it would have taken to change their votes to give Hillary Clinton the presidency? About 37,000 voters. About half of a football stadium in a Big Ten crowd. Those guys changed their vote. The entire election changes. I think 37,000 people changed their opinion because of the way Colin Kaepernick was treated at ESPN. Because they got treated as a hero. I really do believe that. Ryan in Florida. What's up, Ryan? Ryan dropped. Let's go to George in Los Angeles. George in Los Angeles. George in L.A. What's up, man? Yeah, George L.A. Yeah, I've been a Rams fan all my life. And last year, what Kaepernick did, <laughs> what Kaepernick did last year irritated the hell out of me. And also at the uh, Super Bowl the year before last, that stupid uh, halftime performance. And it's just very irritating as a longtime football fan that uh, these people can't understand. We go there for the entertainment, not for some political view or what they want to tell us to think about. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Let's go to Sam and Roanoke. And by the way, during this break, I will reload the lines. You guys can react. You don't have to agree with me. You can be wrong. 877-996-6369. Remember, bottom of the hour, then we'll Queen Cersei everything, and you get the opportunity to tee off on me. Let's go to Sam and Roanoke. Hi, Clay. I, I just want to let you know that uh, I'm a, I've been a lifetime ESPN listener, watcher. I mean, when I think sports, I thought ESPN. And um, the last couple of years, I've really changed my viewing and listening habits because it's very refreshing to hear a show that's not so overwhelmingly PC that it makes you want to throw up a little bit. And that I know that's probably a you know not the best way to put it, but you know it's just nice to hear some some views that I can actually identify with um, as a a white male in this country and not have to have the race card and the politically correctness just shoved down my throat all the time. And I want to thank you uh, for uh, what you guys do, and you got a listener for life. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Not everybody agrees. You have the right to tee off on me at the bottom of the hour, but also we're going to continue to take calls on this. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, David C. Wright came on. Uh, I think dropped some bombs uh, that are actually rooted in data as opposed to just opinion about the politicization of sports and how it's changing viewing habits. And I think you listen to the callers and you listen to Twitter, listen to the reaction. I think there are a lot of people. Now, I don't think people are choosing not to watch games, but I think they're making the decision, I'm only going to watch ESPN for this three-hour game, and the minute it ends, I'm going to turn it off. And I think a lot of people are making the decision, you know what, I'll toss cable to the curb. I don't even need cable. And uh, I'll start to hang out with guys like Clay Travis on the radio in the morning, driving in, Sirius XM, Channel 83, 250 stations nationwide, 50 different states we're on. A lot of people choosing to listen every morning. Appreciate y'all. More of your calls, 877-996-6369. Has the overpolitization of sports started to murder ESPN's business? And is there a root cause here? I believe there is. I think it's because CEO Bob Iger wants to run for president, and he's using ESPN as evidence of why he should be elected president, even if it turns off Republican voters. Because guess what? If you get 50% plus one, you become president. Hell, you don't even need to get 50% to become president. Ask Donald Trump. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Ooh, live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Lines loaded. Everybody reacting to David Seawright, who we had on in hour two. His data proves that Republican viewers are abandoning ESPN over a left-wing political shift. While we were talking to him, news breaks that Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, 
continuing to explore in an aggressive fashion, has been talking to friends about whether he should run for president against Donald Trump. That's been my theory. I wrote about it back in March. It explains everything about ESPN's leftward move. He's using ESPN as an opportunity to prove to Democratic voters how inclusive he can be, even if it means that he loses business in the process. It's like House of Cards. Everything's political. Ulysses in Atlanta, he disagrees with Colin Kaepernick. He thinks he's a hero. What's up, Ulysses? No, no, you're wrong, uh, Clay. I don't think he's a hero, uh, but I also don't think he's a villain. And and the reason that I say that, I think that as Americans, we focus on the wrong thing when we're trying to focus on these football players. I, through the Colin Kaepernick thing, and I never knew this, I've got four kids, and my kids go to school every day, and they don't say the national anthem. That's what we need to be worried about. We always said the national anthem when I went to school. Our kids are not even saying it. So why do you think they're not? To... Why do you think they're not saying it? I, I, I'm curious about that. I didn't even think to ask my kids. I used to do it when I was a kid. We used to have to stand up and say the national anthem. Do they not do that in school anymore? I mean, I, I honestly don't know. No, they don't. They play. They play the national anthem. But when they play it, the kids are going between classes. Nobody's standing up. Nobody's stopping. So when we're gone, Clay. The next generation is not going to care about a Colin Kaepernick doing it. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say to some of these callers coming in, and my son, I've got my youngest son, my five-year-old, I explained to him about the national anthem. When a game comes on, my son tells everybody in the house to be quiet, and he stands at attention. And I didn't tell him to do that. How many of these guys calling in talking about Colin Kaepernick and ESPN when they're watching a the game and the national anthem's playing? Are they going to the refrigerator or are they standing at attention with their hand on the heart? And I guarantee you a good bunch of them don't. But, Clay, I got one more example, and I'm going to get off of here, of paying attention to the wrong thing. This whole thing with Joe Mixon and everybody, Joe Mixon shouldn't be playing football. Ray Rice, he shouldn't play football because of what they did. We had hundreds of thousands of domestic violence convictions last year, and these guys don't even go to jail. I could go to the store and steal a case of corona and get the same amount of time if I went home and I punched my wife. Yeah. That's where the problem is. Not yeah. the NFL. I agree. Hey, guys in jail. You, you're, you're preaching to the choir with that, Ulysses. I'll tell you this. I, I said the same thing. So it's amazing to me that when Ray Rice got probation for knocking his fiance out on tape, nobody said, what in the hell is New Jersey thinking letting a guy, all they got to do, look, I, I've been in a criminal court. All you got to do to get a conviction in that case is play that video for the jury. There ain't a lot of defending it, right? You put oh, yeah. he, here's thanks for the call, Ulysses. I, I I would put I would I would stand in front of the jury. I'd say, hey, I could spend a lot of time making a case here, but I don't need to, because guess what? We got a video. I'm gonna do an unbelievable thing here. I'm gonna shut my mouth and I'm gonna push play. Boom, video plays. At the end, I say, state rests its case. Bang, jury. You decide what should happen here. Why the hell are they giving this dude probation? Everybody got mad at Roger Goodell because he only suspended him for two games. How come nobody was mad at New Jersey for giving the dude probation when he's on video knocking out his fiance? That's the easiest case ever in the history of mankind. DA, all he has to do, the, the toughest business of that is rolling in the damn video. Put the television in front of the jury. How tough is that? It's the easiest case known to man. Why are you giving that man probation? Why are you letting him off the hook? Why did they do nothing to Joe Mixon in Oklahoma? You should be mad at the justice system, 
not mad at the sports that surrounds the justice system. Don't be mad at a coach because he's trying to win a game. Be mad at somebody who's in charge of protecting us and penalizing people who break the law for letting somebody off when they got him on video committing a violent crime. It's crazy to me. Good call from Ulysses. Let's go to Magnus in Houston. What's up, Magnus? Clay, uh, two points to consider. And the uh, news about Iger broke while I was on hold here, but I think it does fit. So to kind of interlock what you were saying, ESPN was making this move, this shift more left before the election. Um, I don't know if they thought they could, you know, affect the outcome or kind of insert their own opinion, but or if they're in that echo chamber that a lot of liberals are in, where they just cannot believe that America is in a different place than they are. Because, I mean, you read any article about the Clinton campaign, they were literally in shock that they lost. They completely misread where America was. And to me, the chance for them to kind of bring balance, ESPN could have balanced back to things with this huge set of layoffs that were required. But to your point, instead of bringing balance and getting rid of a lot of the personalities that are leaning that way, they doubled down. And so I'll never go back to ESPN until the likes of, like, Stephen A. Smith are, are no longer there. I have no interest in listening to them. And I think that they're in that echo chamber where you can walk in with all the analytics you want, and they've made their decision that this is where we are. And, uh, you know, the next step is start selling Disney stock. <laughs> it's a great point because I do think everybody is susceptible to their echo chambers. I think, you know, especially having spent a lot of time in New York and L.A. in my life, people in New York and L.A. have no idea how the rest of the country lives. I think that's true to a large extent of many people who live on the East and West Coast. They look at, like, people in L.A. are like, Texas is like a foreign country. People in L.A., you know, they, they go to the South, they go to the Midwest, they're like, this is a crazy place. Now, a lot of people have moved to L.A. and you have some sense of what the world is like, but it's very easy to get totally wrapped up in where you live. And New York and L.A. are the two entertainment capitals of America. And they're trying to entertain the entire country. And they worry about entertaining themselves first. And they don't think about what the market is like for the rest of the country. I think it matters for the success of this show that I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I think it matters on a regular basis that I interact with 50% Republicans and 50% Democrats. I know what the needle is. I know what people like. I know what people respond to. I think that matters being in the middle part of the country as opposed to being in New York and L.A. I've had opportunities to move to New York and L.A. So people say, you're an idiot. Why don't you move to New York and L.A.? So yeah, I feel pretty good about Nashville. I feel pretty good about being able to know what the rest of the country is like being in the middle part of the country. I wasn't surprised that Donald Trump was competitive. I was surprised that he won because I didn't think he would flip Michigan. I didn't think he would flip Pennsylvania. I didn't think he would flip Wisconsin. But he did, and you know why he did it? Because of Big Ten fans. Big Ten football fans won the election for Donald Trump. Let's go Let's go to trending. Now is time for I Hate You, Clay Travis. Jason Martin, I'm going to instruct you for people who are waiting. To, if they don't want to say that they hate me, then we're going to have to resurse them. All right? So Jason Martin, 877-996-6369. Every single Friday at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, 6.30 Mountain, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. It's time for I Hate You, Clay Travis. Let's figure out what's trending now. Then it's your time as callers to tee off on me next here 
on I Hate You, Clay Travis. But first, let's find out what's trending. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. On average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Okay. I say it every time on Friday. This is your opportunity to call in 877-996-6369. I become America's sweetheart. All I get is love. This week, early in the week, people were demanding that I be fired. There was a petition. We had an I hate you, Clay Travis, on Monday after Tack McKinley was upset and called me the devil, draftee of the Atlanta Falcons. This is your opportunity to tee off on me. You can call in and ridicule me. Let's cue the music, boys. I swear to God, Clay, if I ever see you on the street. America, it's time for your favorite segment. I hate you, Clay Travis! Oh, you haven't heard of it? It's really simple. Basically, you get to on Clay. Like this. I hate you, Clay Travis. This is the stupidest thing that probably <laughs> you said in about six months. I hate you, Clay Travis, with your elfin-sized five shoes. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. <laughs> now, here's Clay. You, Travis. I mean... I hate you, Clay Travis. You want to hate me, then hate me. What can I do? Jason Martin, what are we looking like here? I'm working on it. Give me a second. All right. G-Dub in Cincinnati, is he ready? Yeah, you can take him. All right. G-Dub in Cincinnati. I hate you, Clay Travis time. G-Dub, what's up? What's going on, Clay? Hey, Clay, I hate you because I think you're a fraud, Clay. I think you're the classic conservative pandering racist, and there was no bigger uh, indication of that than a caller a couple of uh, callers ago who said that, Clay, you speak to him because he's a white male in America. I think you get off on the whole idea that uh, of playing white males as the victim in a uh, black male-dominated sports world. I hate so Clay, let me ask you this, g before you con- continue. You think a lot of right. racists voted for Barack Obama and worked on Al Gore's presidential no, campaign? No, I, I think... Uh, no, no, I think a lot you think, of you think hold on before I, you, you think I was I was planning this 16 years ago when I was working on Al Gore's presidential campaign. I was like, I'm going to work on Al Gore's presidential campaign and almost be crying myself to sleep when George W. Bush beats him so that 16 years from now, when I go on a sports talk radio show and I'm on nationwide in all 50 states, I can go on and be like the king of white grievance. You think I was planning that when I voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 is like a really long-range plan that I had. I was like, eight years from now, I'm voting for Barack Obama now, but nine years from now, I'm going to be able to go on and tell white people that, that they've got it rough. Do you think all that was like a master plan, like I'm Kevin Spacey in House of Cards and like I'm a genius, like an evil genius? Yes, I, I think you're a racist. I think that's the reason why you're on a white supremacizing website like Breitbart. I think you're an idiot and a racist because you tried to suggest that Bob Iker uh, showed his political links because the first people that he followed on Twitter were Bamani Jones and Jamel Hill. I think you're a racist because you even tried to suggest that because, what, they have an inclusive sportscast that somehow uh, it's only supposed to be white people on TV. Who the hell ever said it's supposed to be just white people on Sports Center? We don't have white majority rule. Where you been living? Maybe you need to get out of Tennessee. If we had my white majority rule, then we would have white majority rule because white people are majority of the country. Yeah, but is G Dub right? Go ahead and hang up on him. I understand. G Dub calls in. Everybody's racist. I'm racist. The world's racist. Poor black man's being held down by everybody. It's impossible to get ahead. 
But that's why I hate you, Clay Travis is four. You can call in and call me anything. Huge racist right here. Jason Martin doesn't tell anybody, but every morning I roll in before I get on the radio, put my Klan hat on. Got a big pointy clan hat on right now. You need to stop that Nazi salute. I've really had enough of watching. Yeah, that every you know morning. what? I'm thinking about growing that Hitler mustache and trying to bring back the Hitler mustache for all the Nazi youth out there in America today. See, the problem with people like G Dub is they come around and they're like, "Oh, you're so racist. Oh, you're so racist." Like, in all honesty, how many racist people do you think in this country voted for Barack Obama for president? Kind of a big deal, right? If you're willing to make a black guy the leader of the free world. Seems to me unlikely that you would actually be racist. Seems to me unlikely that there were that many racists who worked on Al Gore's presidential campaign. Not an expert on things, but I worked on the presidential campaign. I don't remember that many racist people on that campaign. Now, maybe you can say, oh, I was a closet racist then. And so for 16 years, I was planning so I could just suddenly emerge and be racist at the age of 38. Kind of like a racist, uh, like a, what's the thing when they had the, uh, the, all the, uh, the terrorists? Like you're a, a, a like hiding all this time, sleeper cell racist. I'm going to pretend not to be racist for 20 yeah, years activated. and then, yeah, like in the Americans. Such a stupid argument. Do we have any other calls or am I loved otherwise? Here we well, go. Who should I go Brian. to? Let's go. Brian and Lubbock called last week to say that his girlfriend screams out your name. Remember that? And then yeah, you were asking how hot he was or how yes. hot she was and he had gotten cut off. So he's calling back to answer that. Brian and Lubbock. What's up, Brian? Yeah, I hate you because all week she's been uh, she keeps telling me to call back in and tell you how hot she is. So uh, I guess I better do it. How hot is your girlfriend? She's hot, man. She's a cycling instructor. Works out, you know, pretty much every day. Tight body, beautiful face. Nice. She's what does she think about? What does she think about You've married been sleeping races? on Texas Tech girls on the hot girl <laughs> rankings? I've been the Texas Tech girls. I haven't been hot. Let me, let me just ask you this: not that I'm trying to steal her from you, but how do you think she would feel about a married racist? Do you think she'd be into me or not? Well, you know, I I think that she does like the fit guys, but uh, despite the man boobs, I think she uh, she might be into you. <laughs> uh, the dad bod is really popular with the girls. Thanks for the call, David. Uh, sorry, Brian. Brian and Lubbock for the hot girlfriend. I now hope you're she's calling into... out somebody else's name instead of Brian. I hope. I hope. Yeah. I hope she's into married racists. I don't know how much appeal for single women the married racist has, but you know, I know I've been married for a while. I got kids. I got man boobs, and I'm racist, evidently, according to G Dub. I don't know how anybody could turn me down, to be honest. What woman out there doesn't want to be going out with a married racist with man boobs secretly as the other girl? I just, I, I can't, I honestly, I can't think of a better attraction, better opportunity. Let's go to Tom in Nashville. Tom, what's up? Clay Travis, the king of the slow play with the 20-year racist plan. <laughs> just job, so I could man. bang, come out. I've been, a, I've been a sleeper cell clan member, notwithstanding the fact that I got my clan hat on right now and do it every day with the show. But I just way emerged right now, it. bang, nobody saw it coming. That's a, that's a way to stick with it, man. Hey, I hate Clay Travis. Two things. One, you speak in absolutes too often, saying, I guarantee you 100% of this group of people always do this thing. And uh, every time I think of that, I'm like, you know, I just know that that's not true. That's part one. Two, you don't know when to let something die. You got to let the I hate Clay Travis die, man. It's it's just not making it. You're having to squeeze something out every week, and uh, it's time to take it behind the barn and shoot it, Clay. Let it go, brother. I, You know, I hear so much that people hate me, and then when we give them a forum, although G-Dub obviously wanted to call me racist for the past 20 years and everything else, by and large, most people just want to call in and say how much they love me. I think it's just because I'm so lovable. Andy in New Orleans. Andy, what's up? Hey, Clay. 
I hate Clay Travis because you only give me two mailbags a week. I need one every damn day. So stop whining about getting up at 4 a.m. and get on your get on your horse and start writing mailbags every day. See, Andy, I appreciate the call from New Orleans down there. Andy is calling in saying he needs more of me. He hates that I don't give more of myself to the public. Do you know I get up at 4 a.m. every day? Because I do get up at 4 a.m. every day. All right, final segment of the show. I got to go to break. Got to make money. I am the best-looking married racist with man boobs in America today, and ain't nobody going to take that title from me. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, I'm Clay Travis here. Final segment of the show for the week. We've made it another 15 hours without getting fired or about 14 hours and 50 minutes. Uh, let's go to Dave. I, do we have the call of the week? Do we have our guy from uh, our, our – is that potted up? Do we have that ready? I think we do. But let's go to David in Los Angeles first. David in L.A., what's up? Clay, uh, glad to, I'm glad you uh, decided to have me on the show. I got two things the reason why I hate you, all right? Um, thanks for taking my call, taking your uh, clan hat off. However, um, we, we do need some more – Clavis Trey, or Clavis Trey. What happened there? I, he got cut off. You know what? He was trying to say Travis Clay. He screwed it up twice, and he hung <laughs> up. And he didn't even get to the reason I wanted to put him on the air, which was Marcus Mariota hate. That's where he was headed, but he couldn't get Travis Clay out. And he the, knew you, you were think... about to just absolutely like <laughs> murder him in front of millions of people. So he just clicked off. That was epic. Oh, what a, what an unbelievable what a failure by that Los call. Angeles. David... David in L.A. starting off Friday with an inability to speak. He was trying to say Travis Clay. For people who watched my Outkick the Show on Periscope and Facebook, we have a good audience every day. Occasionally, I'll turn into my alter ego, which is super liberal, left-wing social justice warrior Travis Clay, the exact opposite of Clay Travis. Uh, And I think that's what he was trying to say, but he failed twice at it. And then then he he gave up. Then he just sniped himself. He just committed caller uh, uh, caller suicide there. there. He just took himself out, but he was going to make fun of me for loving Marcus Mariota. I would take a bullet for Marcus Mariota. The rest of the nation does not realize how good he is, but he is flat-out unbelievable. Marcus Mariota, what do we have? We've got the call of the week. Uh, All right, here's the call of the week. Proving how international we have gone. we got regular listeners now in Australia, and we got one of them to call in, and here that is. And now, I would say I can amp my boobs to look double D. It's your caller. I'm not a racist pig like you. Of the alpha this was still heard. The week. I have no comment on any of that. Bye-bye. Adam in Perth, Australia. Adam, what's up, man? Yeah, how you going, Clay? I um, just want to jump in there with this tax scenario. As a person, you surround yourself with people who can help you out with judging situations you're in obviously tax surrounds himself with people who bow down to him and kiss his feet because um if i was his mate i'd say hey buddy come come over here champ don't take the photo out there just thank you yourself mate you're gonna look like a fool and he has looked like a fool and i can't believe that everybody over there is um thinking that you're wrong wrong with this it's just incredible i just can't believe it how did you find us uh adam how did you start listening to the show in perth um, I, I found you first um, when I was clicking through Twitter and found you to be amusing. Then I jumped on Facebook and then I um, got you on iHeartRadio and I listen to you guys every night driving around. It's like quarter past, well, quarter past seven, half past seven at night here and I listen to you guys through the night. It's awesome. And how was, uh, by the way, how was Monday for us? Since you've already lived the whole Monday there in Australia, how was Monday? Was it a good day? 
Monday was fantastic for me over here. Mate, had a few beers and had a barbecue going this afternoon. And it's perfect, mate. I just sit back here and watch TV at the Sandown, listen to you blokes at night. It's fantastic. Appreciate that. Now, last question for you. Have you seen any crocodiles today? Uh, yesterday, mate. Yesterday, we really? We're going for the walk. Yeah, take the dog for the walk. There's a swamp that we go past, and there's a couple of them in there, and they're oh, 10, 11 foot long big guys. And yeah, you just got to make sure the dog's close. So they do take dogs, cats, foxes. It's, it's great. You see the old corks every now and then lying on the on the bank of the, the creek. It's great. That's wow. just getting used. And the scarier, the scarier ones are the drop bears. You just don't want to go out at night under gum trees at night because the drop bears will just jump down on you and pull your eyes out and rip your ears off. Wait, what's that? Will grab <laughs> no, you and pull your mate. ears off? Yeah, the, the drop bears. People call them koalas over there. Koalas? Oh, koalas are actually dangerous? They're violent? Oh, they're terrible, mate. When you, when you see people in Australia holding them, they're normally sedated or they're in a zoo where they don't get out much. But in the wild, koalas are amazing. I'll um, send you a, a tweet with a koala chasing a guy on a motorbike, and then you can find out how crazy they are. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you for the call. Thanks <laughs> for listening. Awesome show. All the week. From down in Perth, Australia. Had no idea that koalas were dangerous. A little bit of breaking news for you. Do we have the breaking news sounder? Breaking news from Fox Sports. Jay Cutler is retiring and has joined Fox Sports. And he will be in the booth with Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis. That according to our boy Peter Schrager at P. Schrags on Twitter. So Cutler, the news didn't come out till yesterday that he had been interviewing with a, a bunch of different networks, and now he has joined Fox Sports, and he will be in the booth with Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis calling NFL games next season. That is an intriguing combo. Obviously, Cutler did not have great relationship with the media, but I had heard that Fox was pretty impressed with him, and his career, you would think, is now over. So he uh, leaves the Chicago Bears will retire and will now move into the booth. Did not have a great media relationship, but maybe he can be a guy a little bit like Randy Moss. Randy Moss has been very good. A-Rod's been pretty good. Two guys who didn't have great relationships with the media that Fox hired, and they ended up doing really well. We'll see whether or not Jay Cutler will do as well also. Hope you guys have spectacular weekends. We'll be back Monday. I am Clay Travis. You've been listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!